Welcome to Spill the Tea, a bi-weekly download of life, liberty, culture, and the latest news with your hosts, Dr. Robert McClure and Sal Nuzzo. Welcome to our very first episode of Spill the Tea. I am Sal Nuzzo with our CEO, uh, Bob McClure. Thank you for joining us. It is a pleasure to be with you once again. Uh, If you were a subscriber to our Pundits on the Porch uh, podcast from a couple of years ago, we, uh, as the world changes, so will our podcast. So we're here to bring you uh, a new format, a new idea, and uh, kind of a quick run-through of what's going on in politics, sports, the culture, the state of Florida, the world, whatever we can kind of opine on for the next few minutes and hopefully entertain you a little bit. Uh, glad to have you with us. Yeah, we're, you know, here at the James Madison Institute, we're always trying to evolve. I remember when I first started at JMI, the, the you know, we were only one 40-page white paper away from saving the world, and now there are no more white papers. I remember when there was no Facebook or Twitter, and certainly I'm dating myself, uh, but it's it's important for an organization that focuses on policy, particularly in a state like Florida. We need to constantly evolve, and so that's the reason we've moved more to this format in a what I think is an, a terrific title called "Spill the Tea." And uh, what uh, one of my favorite uh, shows on ESPN uh, on the occasion that I do uh, go to it now and then was uh, the show with uh, Michael Wilbon. Uh, pardon the interruption. Pardon so the interruption. Yeah. Let, let's kind of run through. We'll give it a go and see how uh, see how it turns out. We don't have the bell at the end, but we'll uh, we'll we'll make it do. We'll All right. Do. For, first topic: politics. Governor DeSantis announcing uh, a change in testing uh, with. With, uh, with the Florida uh, educational K-12 system uh, going away from the FSA and moving to an ongoing progress report. Interestingly enough, it was not only lauded by conservatives who were kind of uh, always a little bit leery of the Common Core standards as we've moved away from that, but also embraced by, of all organizations, the Florida Education Association. Yeah, it was really interesting because in this COVID environment, the the challenge has been what to do about testing and the ability to test accurately. Uh, traditionally, those who've been on the side of choice and, and uh, for parents and accountability have believed in testing, but we, we have also had our challenges with Common Core and the curriculum and the standards associated with Common Core. And we've been very clear about that here at JMI. So for the governor to come out and say what he said, which is basically, not basically, but to end testing, um, I think, and then for everyone to praise him for doing so, I think is an important achievement. It's going to be interesting going forward for those who believe in accountability in education, where do we look for more opportunity apart from parental choice, to have accountability in K-12 education. And granted, the the announcement kind of uh, pertained to, you know, you've got a couple of million kids in the, in the public school system. I'm going to be very intrigued to see how this then translates to comparisons and achievement mm-hmm. between public school kids and those in privates versus right. charters versus homeschool. Because as the pandemic unfolded, uh, you had a whole large kind of influx into the homeschooling environment, mm-hmm. people deciding to choose uh, another option for uh, for their kids other than the public school. And it's all happening at the same time that the governor is in the kind of litigation battle right. over the ban on mask mandates in the schools. The other thing I think that's interesting 
pivoting a little bit towards the pandemic, as difficult and challenging and in many cases tragic that has been for so many people across the state of Florida and across the country, one silver lining, and it's more than just a silver lining, is the the growth of school choice and parents making different choices for their children and reevaluating the needs of their children uh, in, in K-12 education. It really brought it to the forefront in families. It really kind of made it such that, you know, a family that had maybe not had thought about the options that they have available because of the pandemic, it was brought right to their face. All right, let's shift completely. Let's go to, uh, let's go to sports, college sports, uh, Florida. We are in the midst of uh, one, depending on which school you root for, either a fantastic or a uh, less than fantastic. Miserable, right? We're based right. in Tallahassee. Uh, Seminoles are 0 and 3. 0 and 3. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. You know, I guess you guys are a, bi- a basketball school or maybe a women's soccer school. We're, we're a soccer school now. Volleyball school. Volleyball. Yep. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're the round ball school, not right. the oblong ball, ball school. So, so here's the question. So, no, here's oh, the question. Oh, God. The question is uh, who will draw more fans for the rest of the season? Football or basketball going forward? That's going to be I, the question. I, I will say uh, we, we do have a home game this this weekend. So uh, the is it o- Jacksonville State? No, it's not. They okay. uh, uh, we're not going to relive that too soon. What? Uh, I, I believe the over under on attendance is in the sixty thousand range, so they're they're looking to see kind of that as the threshold. Uh, I would love to pick the over, but sadly, if I were a betting man, I would pick the under. If you're a Miami fan, you've also got to be miserable right now, and that's just brutal for what they're dealing with. But the crazy thing, if you're a UF fan, you lost, but they act like they won. Yeah, The UF fans are are walking away saying, hey, this is great. And as a lifelong Seminole, I will say I I did watch the Alabama-Florida game. I I came away uh, from it incredibly impressed with how well Florida stood up to Bama, I think, by and large, over the last eight or ten years, they have kind of largely positioned themselves as almost like a league of their own, them and Clemson. And yet Florida has been able to kind of run toe-to-toe with them. Like I said, it, it pains me sure. to get there, but I am 100% looking forward to uh, Leonard Hamilton the, uh, take the court. The basketball, <laughs> that's right. And, and FSU is going to be really good. The, one more thing about college football season that I think is interesting. I have no idea what the future holds for Dan Mullen. But for Florida to be all pass, no run last year, and to be primarily run and much, much, much less pass this year is an incredible feat for any coach to do. And, and really kind of in the debate on is, is Norvell the guy on the Florida State side, I think that kind of needs to trail the ultimate question, which is who is the guy at quarterback? Right. It, it, we've got two guys that are going in it, almost sharing a series, and then you've got guys like Chubba Purdy, and you don't know what their right. role is going to be. Uh, and I think before the boosters and the fans and the alumni community kind of come to grips with whether or not Mike Norvell is really the future, I think we've got to get a, a handle on who the QB is. Fair enough. Moving on. Crazy things happening in culture and what we're seeing on a daily basis. Talk about uh, utter and complete 10-year uh, lack of understanding of what is Americans are focused on on a daily basis. Let's talk about the Met Gala and the Emmys. Uh, and AOC's uh, tax the rich dress. How, how much was it? 
I think it was thirty thousand dollars dress at a thirty-five thousand dollar. I've been married to my lovely and wonderful wife for twenty-eight years. Does she have any thirty? She has no thirty thousand dollars dresses in her closet, and it's not a lack of love on my part. (laughs) So, talk about the Met Gala, Sal, because what we saw is tax the rich. What we saw was a maskless group of people. The Emmys. The you know the the uh, the term elites gets thrown around qu- quite a bit, but it was not for me, but yes for thee in terms yep. of masks. Talk about your thoughts on the Met Gala, on the Emmys, those kinds of things. And I'm going to focus in on the Met Gala because I think there is an iconic photo that I've seen in a number of different avenues uh, and channels, and that is um, AOC in the white gown with the tax the rich and she's looking back smiling and all of the the folks who were kind of the servants mm-hmm. of the of the crowd the the, the, the servers the yeah they're all standing in black with black cloth masks right. that were obviously all ordered for them so that they color coordinated right. so that they all looked really good in their masks while all of the elites and I don't have a problem using that term all of the elites were were maskless and smiling as the servant class so to speak uh, had to be dressed in, in in masks, which if they ordered those cloth masks, you have to know, even if you're a mask supporter, those are the worst masks right. for uh, an airborne uh, pandemic. So you've got that. Then you've got the fact that this all happens on the, uh, and then a day or two later or a week later, the Congressional Budget Office releases a report that shows that the top 1% of income earners in the United States pay 40 percent mm-hmm. of all income taxes so to answer AOC's uh, claim one yes we do tax the rich and even if you want to get into a debate over what the proper rate for taxing individuals at, at is I think if the top one percent are paying 40 percent of all income taxes I want to suggest they're paying their fair share not not to mention setting aside the policy component of of taxing job creation you know it's that old adage that Government has nothing to give except what it first takes from somebody else. And so government doesn't create widgets. Government doesn't uh, produce a product that people are buying. It simply takes from one and gives to the other. As opposed to philosophically, we at the James Madison Institute believe you keep taxes low, you keep them predictable, and that will create an economic engine unrivaled by by any in human history. And then in the most ultimate irony of ironies, the designer of said $30,000 dress for AOC turns out she is a tax cheat on top of it all. So, uh, you know, it just kind of, a, a like you said at the outset, tin ear all around. Then you shift to the Emmys. The Emmys happened this past Sunday. I have to admit, I'm uh, as a Gen Xer, I become less and less kind of uh, apparent. It's less and less apparent to me what the shows even are. Nobody watches the Emmys, the Oscars yeah. anymore. None of that. So you have all of these uh, the the stars and celebrities, the Hollywood elite coming in completely unmasked and and as the as the hosts and the servers and everybody else are being forced to uh, to to wear the mask and then we come to find out that there is some kind of a Hollywood entertainment exemption on the LA mask mandate which just kind of, kind of speaks to the complete and utter absurdity of a mask mandate like this on its face what if they'd had the Emmys before the recall if it had been a closer uh Closer recall. I don't think it would have, yeah. but uh, it it is just 
absurd to see what we see in terms of the hypocrisy uh, for those supposedly in influential and powerful positions. And we see it on, in both parties all the time Absolutely. on a regular basis. Without but, question. Right. Which, you know, it's why living in a state like Florida and having, you know, a form of school choice, for example, where children and grandchildren can choose the school, with the, they may be masked up, they may not be masked up, but let's allow personal responsibility private businesses to make those decisions. It just, the hypocrisy at both the Emmys and the Met Gala and across the board is just stunning. Well, well and then also the, the mayor of San Francisco mm-hmm. at a, at a concert, uh, just feeling the beach. She's yeah, just yeah, feeling the beach. Yeah. And she was, she was feeling the spirit and right. decided to take her mask off. And then to just say, as if nobody would call out the hypocrisy, well, I was just feeling the spirit. And, and therefore, you know, I, I'm going to try that excuse the next time I get on a plane and fly somewhere that I'm just feeling the spirit and I'm going to take off my mask. And, and I know what will happen to me there. I, it, just don't fly Spirit Airlines. It, it, excellent point on that. And, uh, and one I, I, I will say... I, Despite the Federal Aviation Administration's mask mandate for air travel, I will say I do have a fondness for Delta and all that they've had to endure and kind right. of put, and, and the way that they've uh, addressed uh, kind of uh, the path ahead. Well, we're coming up on the end of our time uh, this week. Uh, Bob, any final thoughts? Really excited uh, for this new format. Really excited about the title, Spill the Tea. Uh, as we move forward, uh, you and I will spend a lot of time talking about the political landscape in Florida, the culture, music, sports, all of those kinds of things. We're going to be uh, releasing um, a version of Spill the Tea every other Friday. Really excited about that. And most of all, I'm just thankful we live in the great state of Florida where freedom still reigns. Amen to that. Please make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, iHeart, Apple, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to Spill the Tea. For more content from the James Madison Institute, follow us on social media or check out our website at jamesmadison.org.